Welcome to another episode of Rec Talk. Today we've got Terry Wolfendale. Terry the Wolfman Wolfendale, should we call you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Terry, Pulse Outsourcing, that, that's your bag, right? Yes, it is. Yes, Pulse Outsource, um, supporting temporary recruitment agencies for 20-odd years with payroll funding and back-office services. Payroll funding and back-office services and kind of invoice finance, and then we, we've, we've got a shameless plug here, but Rectal's got an entire category on all of this. But no, that... That was We've never done it before, so I wanted to throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so that, that entire world... Is is a bit of a minefield to to recruiters, especially given how that sector tailors largely to the recruitment world, right? Because mm. my understanding is that recruitment is probably the biggest part of that market, followed then by like construction and care and stuff like that, isn't and it? Manufacturing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Recruitment is a massive sector uh, industry that you know is it, it lends itself very nicely to invoice factoring, <coughs> back office services. Mm. Yeah, and we were just kind of saying off, off camera that that actually you and I we kind of stepped into that minefield accidentally mm-hmm. because when we first set up, it was like, oh well, let's have a look at investors because you're almost told, aren't you, when you when you're trying to set up a recruitment business, no, no, you're going to need an investor because it costs so much yeah, to do it, so expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You speak to, and they'll be they'll be like people sat in big corporates right now listening to this and they'll they'll get it right in that you'll speak to sort of associate directors and directors and like oh you're ever going to set up on your own and they'll be like yeah I just need to get the right amount of money behind me you know get a couple hundred grand behind me and I'll be able to do it mm. and we used to hear that all the time we was like a couple hundred fucking grand like <laughs> no a not a chance <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. so weird yeah. setting up like you know yeah. but also at that point I remember we used to sit there and go like I don't want to get to like associate director and ops no. director level when I've gone past all the BD making my desk and now I'm running yeah. a like a PL. Yeah. To then having to go back and do the whole BD and all yeah. that sort of stuff again. That just Chasing seemed... purchase ledger vacancies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a harder move to make because by that stage you're on a bigger salary, you're on a yeah. bigger package. You know, you've got you, you sort probably of got more responsi- responsibilities in life as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. tougher. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a minefield, isn't it? And and we've it had is. the likes of Simon Jay and Bobby Russell come over and kind of talk to us about the invoice financing world. But I mean, you're kind of, as as the lender, mm-hmm. you're kind of in the thick of it, right? So you're literally talking to them throughout that journey, aren't you? Yeah. So in terms of the type of businesses that, that you work with then, are you talking sort of small startups? Are you talking scaled uh, businesses? Are you talking like big FTSE listed businesses? Like who, who who's your portfolio? Startup and scaling businesses predominantly. So it just, you know, alongside what you've just been talking about there, it it lends itself, the product lends itself very nicely to startups, which is why, you know, I find it quite staggering at times that you've got top billers, you've got people who are very good at their jobs in recruitment, kind of putting off starting up because they're not aware of the solutions that are out there to them, because are out there for them, because um, it lends itself perfectly to it. You know, it kind of takes care of the cash flow aspect for, for temp payroll, and you can get solutions for, for perm placements as well. And it takes care of all the sort of back office aggro so that they can basically just focus on selling, doing what they're very good at. Doing what, what, why do you think that lack of awareness exists? I don't know. I mean, I think probably as far as as our industry is concerned, the invoice mm. finance, invoice factoring industry is concerned, because it's such a, a popular industry for us, because we, you know, recruitment is such an active industry for mm. us. I think there's an assumption um, that, you know, anyone operating at any level almost in a recruitment business has got some awareness of, of yeah. invoice finance, okay. invoice factoring. Um, but, you know, I, I, I discover, you know, almost weekly that that, that isn't the case. You no. know, there's, there's a lot of people that 
are pausing on, on making the jump and, and setting something up on their own because they think there's too many obstacles financially and there definitely aren't. Um, it's probably, you know, it's got the, the lowest barrier to entry ever, I think, recruitment with True. the with yeah. the support yeah, yeah. that's available to get started. Um, what the qualifications even need to, to set set the whole thing up, right? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of people who are now coming from the sector that they're trying to recruit into. So care workers are opening up care agencies, yeah. lorry drivers are opening up driving yeah. agencies, and, and these guys haven't got any recruitment experience. The only thing they've got is the network and, and the knowledge of that sector. And even those guys, I mean, have you, seen, have you seen much uptake in terms of customers that you're onboarding now based on, on no experienced recruiters who are, who are opening up agencies? A bit, a bit. I mean, we're a little, always a little bit more cautious about that for, for obvious mm. reasons. They know they know their market from one side of the fence, but mm. it's very, you know, they don't understand all the intricacies. And we, I've seen them get things like just get just 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 get their margin wrong, just not have enough margin in the in their placements because they've forgotten to incorporate national insurance and holiday pay and various other bit, almost a growing list of bits and pieces every year that are required yeah. to kind yeah, of get yeah. chipped in. So so they can sort of you know and and, and aren't as robust. <laughs> to get in terms and conditions signed or all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So there's kind of like, that. you know, we've got to be a little bit more cautious about how we support them through that startup journey. I suppose from, from your point of view, because you guys self-fund, don't you? So you're not you're not going off to then a bank and, and, no. and almost passing the risk on. It's you're inherently taking that risk, right? So yeah, yeah. you've really got to be 100% sure whether you're backing this person and their business plan and kind of their, their, their growth and ambition plans or lifestyle plans. You've got to kind of really dig deep into it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, to a point. But, you know, the the main concern is you just you've just got to you just got to be confident that they're going to be setting up and running a business mm. that, you know, is is going to generate enough margin that they can that there's enough to, to pay HMRC. There's enough to there's enough to put aside for their VAT that they've got enough margin in it so that we're not literally squeezing every last penny out just to make sure they can make payroll each mm-hmm, week, mm-hmm. which which does happen and does even happen with some established agencies who push down on margin, let their margin get squeezed and squeezed to win more business, but to the point where it's it's barely washing its own face in terms of in terms of meeting the payroll every week. So yeah, yeah. there's all those challenges that you have to kind of take into account when you're when you're, you know, looking at a business to how, how much time do you guys spend as a business then educating these these startups with that sort of stuff? Like who's because re- the reality is like whose responsibility is that, right? Because it's not the accountant's responsibility that they've chosen and it's sort of it could be argued that it's not your responsibility no. either to, to explain these things. So how much of that do you guys actually do and and, and kind of yeah whose responsibility is that increasingly I'm doing more and more of it and this is just a a sort of personal position really but you know I'm quite active on LinkedIn and I'm I'm sort of you know I'm, I'm always kind of because it's a core market for us, I'm always kind of pushing that startup scaling sort of market and mm. and, and, and and sort of took the decision a little while ago to add some extra value there around, well, you know, there's I can point them in the direction of certain resources. And quite frankly, it whatever they just, there may be a certain nuance about what they want to do and how they want to do it that doesn't fit with Pulse Outsource. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I can't help point them in a different direction, point them to some of the people you you mentioned earlier on, um, you know, that are experts as well that that can that can help them out. So I kind of I kind of try and position myself as someone that can just help a startup get off the ground and yeah, get through that planning yeah, yeah. stage and work well, out all their options. It's that thing, isn't it? Of it takes like a village to to raise a kid, right? And and I mm. think if you kind of take that analogy into the recruitment world, 
it would take a village in the sense that it would take a uh, like a, an invoice financer or like an outsourced solution for payroll and invoicing to handle that part of of kind of what the education piece is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that the the accountants have a responsibility as well to be able to sit there and say, look, this is how you need to conduct business. This is how you need to make sure that you're accounting for things in the right way. Uh, mm. the, the things that the, the recruiters should already be in control of, really, is how to run a desk. Yeah, his or her yeah. own motivations to, yeah. to, to build, right? <coughs> yeah. yeah. The rest yeah. of it has to be an education piece, though, yeah. I think, from the individual suppliers for, for, for that particular recruitment business. Mm. So... I think, I mean, look, we certainly made mistakes and, and, and still make mistakes when, when mm. it comes to kind of our, the, the running of our recruitment business. But I guess there's there's been there's been times during those periods where we've we've looked at our suppliers and we've gone, why haven't you told us that? Like, surely, like, this this can't be a one-off thing. I don't understand why you wouldn't mm. have told us that in, in advance. Mm. So uh, have you... Have you had instances in your sort of uh, in your experience, whether that's been at Pulse or even before that, mm. where you've had to really kind of educate some of your some of your agencies and really kind of gone through. Look, this this let's take um, if somebody's got too much concentration, for example, with yeah, with one, yeah. one particular account, that kind of thing. How how, how much? Yeah, how, how soon before you guys tend to step in? And it it's definitely it, it's an ongoing thing. So so if we get a new client, particularly. A client that's brand new to invoice factoring, invoice this finance, world. back office, yeah. this world, um, then it, it's always very intensive to begin with in terms of just educating them around the parameters of the facility. But the parameters of the facility are really set, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. They're set up to encourage good business sense at the end of the day, you know, and good mm-hmm. trading practices for both of us. So it is things like, and it's really tempting for especially the early stage, start, early stage recruiters to kind of, you know, as soon as they get a new deal, it's like, great, you know. Yeah. But but actually, it's it's only a good deal if they're going to pay their bills, you know. And if we check that customer out and they haven't paid anyone for nine months, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a good deal. You know, forget about it. So, for example, I always encourage clients to, to credit check customers as early as they possibly can. You know, if they're signed up with us and they're a client of ours, it doesn't it doesn't cost anything mm. to, 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 to give us a company reg number yeah. and, a company, and, and we will check them out and we'll tell them what, what they look like and, you know, and mm. whether or not they're a good risk or not, ultimately. And I will literally be like, do that as early as you possibly can, you know. You wouldn't want to spend, you know, two months caught in a customer try, 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 trying to win yeah. some new business and then when you finally win it, you get them credit checked and they're not going to, it's, it's, it's rubbish business. It's not, it's, yeah. it's not worth it. You, you need to walk away from it and you've wasted, you've invested two months in that that you've wasted. So I'm always, as an example, kind of like, just do it as early as you possibly can. Yeah. Just get into the routine, make it part of your new business process to credit check customers really early doors. So. Why, why do you think that um, <coughs> there would be people that wouldn't do those things? Because for, for most of our listeners, that's going to be like, well, I mean, that's a, that's a, an obvious thing to do, right? But wh- why do you think there's, um, agencies or startup agencies out there that wouldn't do those things um it's just mindset i think i mean mm. i think a lot are coming from the uh, you know a great salespeople, yeah a great consultants so that's how they're wired and that's what they're and they're, it's just they want they want more new business they want the next deal that's how they're that's how they're wired that's that's how they're driven um taking a step back and perhaps looking at a reason why it wouldn't work just doesn't just doesn't compute (laughs) all the time and also it's it's about putting those practices in place you know so if they've not been in an environment before where they've had to do that and they're starting their own business from scratch so there aren't 
likely to be any of these kind of frameworks and mm. practices and kind of whatever in pla- you know operating procedures in place they're just not in the routine and the habit of doing it so you kind of have to train that into them in a sort of partnership approach when they when they become a client and they sort of start working with you but but that's a key one it's like you know don't just rush off and think that any bit of business is good business because generally mm-hmm. It's not always. No. Um, Usually the easiest ones to win are the, the most difficult bits of business. But e- to, e- even having yeah. money out of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just Longest picked up 100 pay. jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Right. Here we yeah. Go. yeah. <laughs> you're good, but you're not that good. Something yeah. else is up here. Yeah. <laughs> the, the big brands, though, a lot, again, a lot of people think, oh, well, I've signed up a big brand and therefore, by definition, they'll pay. I'm going to get loads of business out of them and all that sort of stuff. And more often than not, they're the ones with the stupid payment terms, aren't they? They're the ones with the 60, 90-day payment terms from month end and all that sort of nonsense mm. where they have to invoice in a specific way. And if you don't invoice in that specific way, they're going to reject the invoice. They have to have POs in a certain order. And if you don't have that particular PO per invoice or per whatever, then that, that falls on its ass as well. You see, there's yeah. a, the, we're fortunate because we started off in accountancy and finance recruitment. So a lot of those... A lot of that terminology you just use there is second nature. It's pure jar- and it's pure yeah. jargon as well. What's a PO? If I'm a tech recruiter mm. or if I'm an in- engineering recruiter, what's a PO? Mm. You're asking me for a PO number. I don't know what one of them is. I'll pass that on to, to, to Paul to have a look at. You know, like, yeah. you, you're going to, like, oh, you, you got, you, have you sorted out payment terms? What do you mean payment terms? Payment terms are what yeah. they are. No, they want to negotiate on them or they're over there, you know, they're, you know, this is turning into 52 days bad debt. Okay, bad debt. What do you mean bad debt? What's wrong with the debt? Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you, do you know, like yeah, simple terms like that. they just never been exposed to it. No, this is yeah. it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started in accounting and finance recruitment, I was gobsmacked at the at the thought of needing a credit control team. So I was like, mm. what do you mean? they don't? Why wouldn't people just pay their bills? Like that, isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like you, you grow up and you're told, pay your bills, right? Yeah. So why are companies not paying their bills? That was like an alien concept to me. Like, hang on. So there's a team of people who chase money that's owed to them. Yeah. Why? Like, and every business has got that. Yes. And I'm like, this is nuts. This is absolutely <laughs> nuts. And it's like, you wait there. You, you don't have to pay the invoice as soon as you receive it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine, imagine yeah. Uh, um, that was my thing as well. I was like, yeah, but, so you, I, I could go to Tesco and be like, yeah, just give me an invoice for that and I'll pay it in the next 30 to 60 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when just, I feel like no. it or when you squeeze me enough and I'm yeah. like, all right, fine, I'll pay it. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, but, but that was an alien concept to me before I started in finance recruitment. And then I always forget that because... I, mean, I was chatting to um, a good friend of mine the other day, and they've had a um, uh, like a, a business advisor come in and spend a bit of time with them. They're a, a, a tech business, testing business, and he was sort of going, "Yeah, you know, we sat down with us, and we've had our, our first official board meeting. Well, that's great, yeah, yeah." Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, "Yeah," and one of the things he highlighted was like, "You guys pay everything on time. Why? You're moaning <laughs> about cash flow, but every single bill was paid on time." Or in advance. It, like, it was like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Mm. And, not, and, and, and it was a, 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 an alien concept to him. Mm. And I was like, but your, one of your biggest accounts that you do a load of business with, did they pay your invoices on time? And he was like, no, they never do. I'm like, mm. you're on the receiving end of this. Because yeah. it's just an alien concept to people. So yeah, so yeah I, I kind of get that with, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of theory. For us, as I said, PO numbers, credit checks, all that sort of stuff. Are, yeah. Uh, a second nature because of the nature of the recruitment we were doing but if mm. you're a if you're a completely different industry and you're sat there having to deal with the finance team and you have, you, know, you don't understand these terms of mm. credit and ter- payment terms and PO numbers and yeah, bad yeah. debt and bad debt protection and this you know why is a 30 day invoice acceptable but 32 days is bad like you know, do you know what I mean yeah yeah 
and and also like they you know they can get you, recruiters can get a new a new client and yeah. again think great you know and get their terms and conditions signed brilliant what they don't realize is they can be the the debtors terms and conditions sitting behind that somewhere else which is this thick yeah. with lots of ugly clauses in there and lots of things that really you know our our client the recruiter needs to know about but again if they're not exposed to that sort of thing they won't so that's part of our job. Our job is to make sure let's really look at what the underlying relationship is between our our yeah. client and their debtor, and just make sure we understand that fully, and that there's not you know lots of ways that they can wriggle out a payment or delay payment. And I think so, ha- having a proactive approach with uh, for, for an agency is super important in that as well, though, because yeah. actually a very dangerous way of kind of doing business is what what you said off camera, which is just like you guys handle that, you, we pay you for it, so you deal with it. Totally. And what they're forgetting is that it's it's actually your business. And if yeah, you don't you, you're do you're it, not, you're not an employee anymore. You're not a you're not just <coughs> a salesperson now. You're a business owner. Yeah. And this part that you've always sort of forgotten about, you can't do that anymore. Well, we had yeah. it when we were at Page. We 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 obviously working for this big big FTSE business where they've got finance directors and credit controllers and just personnel coming out of their backside because they were that big, right? Mm. And you, we used to have um, consultants alongside us who would be on the phone fighting with their credit controllers, being like, why are you, you're ruining my relationships? Why are you calling them? Why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing that. Mm. They're my client, only I should be talking to them. And it's like, you've got a, you've got an invoice that hasn't been paid for 90 days. Yeah. Of, of course they're going to chase. Like, yeah. yeah, but that's my client. But they're not a client if they're not paying the bill. Yeah, that's right. What you've done yeah. is you've charitably donated a candidate to that to that business. Yeah. And and now the, the, the our business is looking at that thinking, hang on, we need to be paid for the work that we've done mm. because you got paid for the work that you did, right? So as, as now the business has to. Yeah. And, then, and you touched on it earlier, which is like salespeople kind of getting getting mad at the fact that they, they're having to do credit control or they're having to do bits and pieces that, that they don't ordinarily do. Mm. If you're setting up an agency, you got to suck it up, right? You got to you've got to actually think about, look, this is my business. I'm going to be finance director, credit control manager. I'm going to be marketing manager. I'm going to do all wear all the hats that I need to wear yeah. to be able to make sure that this thing runs well. Yeah, yeah. When you use services <coughs> like ours, you are able to kind of effectively outsource a big chunk of that, so that you're mm. not spending days on end in each week having to do that sort of stuff. But what I always say to every every client is you can't just wash your hands of it completely. That would be the worst thing. It's, it'd be, it's happened and it's really easy to do, which is like, well, I pay you for that. So you get on with it. You know, what's it, what's it got to do with me kind of thing? It, it can't work like that, you know, and it, it, it is a partnership approach. You need to be pushing us to make sure that we're, you know, chasing the debt as proactively as we should be you know mm-hmm. it never does any harm to kind of give us a nudge or ask about a particular invoice or mm-hmm. but you also need to prepare to get involved at certain points you know where you mm-hmm. kind of because inevitably we re- we require that because our client has a different level of relationship with the end debtor than we do so mm-hmm. you know sometimes and sometimes there is a genuine dispute or a query and again we can't resolve that without our client's involvement so mm-hmm. it's always like you should be looking at the reports and information that we provide you with you have to have your finger on the pulse you can't just turn a blind eye to it all and think well i pay someone else to do that yeah, yeah. you'll never get the, the the best out of an invoice finance facility if that's the approach you take you 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 know we, yeah, we the wrong attitude to have absolutely yeah well it? you can yeah. flip that on its head to the agency though can't you like recruiters we're an outsourced service can a can a business recruit for themselves of course they can they don't need us mm. they choose to use us because we're either more efficient or they, they want access to our network or whatever reason a, a, a business decides to use an agency mm. now the worst businesses for us to recruit for are the ones that are like here's a job spec find me some candidates 
and that's mm. it. That's all we hear from them. Or upload your candidates onto a portal. Mm. Here's a job spec. Here's a portal. Upload your candidates on there. Yeah. That's the only involvement you're going to get from us. Mm. So at this point, we don't know the culture of the business. We don't know the type of personality they're looking for. We don't know a whole plethora of different things that we need to know for us to be able to find the right person. Mm. And as recruiters, we're probably the worst people to look at outsourcing functions and, and utilise them properly because we either have that yeah, approach of you do it. We want our customers to see us as an extension of their business, but then the services that we as business owners have supply into us, <coughs> we don't see as an extension of our own business at times. We see them as a supplier. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, and it, it's, it's an odd one, but I think, yeah, I think it's that, it's that biller mentality. And mm. yeah, you, you, you almost don't want to lose that because you do want them to kind of tenacity, like, you know, be tenacious, tenacious and yeah. go after business and keep banging Definitely. that phone and all the rest of it. You want all that good shit, right? Mm. But you almost kind of want them to be like, just be a bit more aware of this stuff now because... It's that business acumen piece, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that, that, that grows over time, it's a, it's a really delicate... It's a fine line, you know? Yeah. It's a blend between that. Yeah, that that's what our relationship <coughs> with our agency clients should be. It's that, you know, we are what sits behind it and provides the framework and the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the finance and the processes and everything else. And our client is the is 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 the commercial aspect and growing the business and doing yeah. what they do best, which is selling. But there is a there is a little gentle kind of blend between the two, which is, you know, we we have to be commercial in our outlook as well. Yeah. But then they, but then our client also needs to kind of meet us halfway and understand that you, that it's just sensible business practice to have certain con checks and balances in place, you yeah. know, and, and, it, and just frivolously going out and grabbing any bit of business you can. You'd mentioned concentration limits earlier on. Like it's just, you know, we, we, we're flexible with in regards to concentration limits, but you have but you have to be conscious of the risk that that presents. If you've yeah. got all your eggs in one basket and it's going and going and going and going, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something goes pear shaped, yeah. it's quite possibly the end of your business. So, well, do you want to explain concentration limits to to the listeners for those that don't know what a concentration limit is? Sure. Yeah, it's it's otherwise known as a high involvement limit, which might be a bit more descriptive actually around what it is, but it's where effectively. Um, our agency client has a high concentration of business with a small number of debtors. So the most extreme point being 100% of their business with one debtor. That is a that okay. is as highly concentrated as you can get. So if, I, um, if I'm a, let's say, an industrial recruiter and I've got, I don't know, like a raw mail contract and all of my attempts are just going through raw mail, that would mean that I've got 100% concentration then with that one debtor being raw mail. Exactly, exactly. Right. So at what point does that become too high then? It would depend. Right, so it's an interesting example. Royal Mail. Got, got to be honest, I haven't looked at their their credit rating for a little while. Um, and I know they've had a few problems <laughs> recently. I was going to say there probably wouldn't be an issue with Royal Mail because I mean I, I, we don't I, work with them anymore. I, no, <laughs> but but that's what you look at. You look at you look at the debtor. So you know. So for example, we we've had clients that have had one hundred percent of their business with the NHS. Mm -hmm. You know, and there are certain quirks and issues with dealing with the NHS and getting paid promptly. But the credit worthiness is not one of them. So again, at one end of the scale, hundred percent of your business with the NHS wouldn't wouldn't be an issue um, because they're, they're right. So there's, there's more to it than just a mathematical formula. Wrong. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the, it's the profile is okay. of that debtor. is too much. That kind of thing. It depends yeah. very much on who you're dealing with, and then other aspects would come into that. So it's it's the it's the. I mean, we're talking specifically about recruitment, but more generally, it would be the nature of the services, the nature of work that's being delivered to that debtor. You mm. know how how. Uh, complex is that in nature so there's quite a bit that comes in under you know 
beneath just the headline concentration limit. There's a lot mm. of factors that kind of determine it. In recruitment terms, because you know we're, we're effectively talking about timesheet debt, you know the, the biggest consideration would be the creditworthiness of the debtor. Um, so the other extreme would be if it's Joe Bloggs Limited down the road that's only been established for a year mm-hmm. and that's your only debtor and you want to continue to make that your only debtor and just pile more and more temps into that into that business at you know at some point and probably fairly early on we'd be saying well the, the, you know you you need to stop you need to try and spread your concentration because yeah. fully exposing yourself to a a business that hasn't got a particularly strong track record or credit profile isn't is not a sensible thing to do mm. so is that advice that you would give or is that is that a hard line that you that that is common practice in the industry then it's generally common there are some uh providers that that don't have a concentration limit approach um most do i would say sort of traditional invoice factoring businesses um it, it's not hard and fast you know we have credit guidelines we don't have a credit policy mm-hmm. but that sort of approach and that sort of mindset is what we would take with every client so absolutely if we thought they were overexposing themselves to a to a, a a debtor that you know just doesn't you know that doesn't necessarily support that level of exposure then the advice we the, the it's advice but we would ultimately we would have to say no at some point you know we, we, we so wouldn't why, just why, let them trade so why would a why would a recruiter say no to that then so why would they say no 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 absolutely not i'm still going to trade with with joe blogs limited that he's asked me for another hundred people in his warehouse i need to i need to provide them um why would they not want to give themselves more exposure to to wider businesses because it's really easy for just human beings to kind of only see the silver linings and not mm. see the potential mm-hmm. pitfalls it just really is and then they might speak <coughs> to that you know the the director of that business down the road and they're oh no don't worry oh no it'd be fine you know yeah. i know just we haven't been established yeah, yeah you know yeah, everything's yeah. great yeah. and and it's really easy to buy into that when you want to be successful and you want to you just want to place so you want to go and mm-hmm. put more business out and you want to, you, you're seeing the margin in it and you're thinking great happy days mm-hmm. it's just really really tempting and that's what i mean about trying to get that kind of blend between us and, and our client that's how we need to work together because you know that that it's almost like you said earlier on you, you kind of don't want to curb that to some extent no. you know it's their job to get excited about that you know that's what they, that's what they're there for but they do need a sounding board and they do need at some point someone that's going to say yeah, mm, yeah, you, you, it's no it, yeah you don't it want them being a sense. cynic with every bit of business that they're doing and, yeah yeah but at and, the same and, time yeah like, <coughs> let, let, let's be blunt about it we we make money on our clients growing their businesses and doing yeah. more business. What? <laughs> so it, breaking news. It, it doesn't make a lot. You know, we're not going to say no for the hell of it. You know, because um, but that's risk, how me make money. That's, it's risk aversion, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's basically yeah. what we're looking at. Is is how do we? It's management. How do we, risk yeah. management. How do we limit your risk? How do we limit the agency risk? And ultimately, the money that you make off that agency depends on them trading. So it's not like you yeah. don't want them to trade. Exactly. So. It's 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 super important, really, isn't it, for for any kind of recruiter looking to set up to start putting on different hats around um, the wider business, then mm-hmm. not just kind of focusing on billing. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said before, they, they there's plenty of support available around that because again, the extreme of that is that if they're running around with all those hats on, then the thing that will suffer is the billing side of it. It's yeah. always the bit that gets right. pushed back and yeah. pushed back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, we can get introduced to. I can sit down in front of. 
uh, early stage agency owners now who have tried to sort of go it alone and they'll say well Monday Tuesday I'm just chasing timesheets in and and that's a faff and that takes ages and then Wednesday I'm sort of making sure that you know I've got the funds to kind of transmit the payments so they're there for Friday morning mm-hmm. and then Friday I've always inevitably got one or two payroll queries so yeah. I'm having to deal with that so that's that's four fifths of the week gone straight away, you know, mm-hmm. and then some, and then well, and credit control on a Thursday. I bet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. like so. Then where you know so so again, it comes back to that partnership approach, and it's about they they will always need to wear all the hats to some extent because it's their business. It's, and it's you know, ultimately it's they're building it for themselves, but what what we enable them to do, I suppose, and other uh, partners that can support them in various areas is only wear those hats for a few minutes each week, you yeah, know, right. rather than yeah. a, nearly every day of the week. So, yeah. they, so they can focus far more time on growing the business, which is what they're there to do and what they want to do. So you, you mentioned earlier then, so you <coughs> started utilising LinkedIn a lot more to, to kind of almost educate a an audience of startups and scaling businesses or, or kind of high billers, right? What, what, what kind of advice would you give or what, what kind of, regular comments do you get in your inbox and in comments and stuff that you think would be worth talking about and sharing to sort of just you know put myths to bed or rumors to bed and like you know um i think well we touched on it earlier on i think one of the most surprising things for me is just how little awareness there is about you know about about particularly cash flow solutions that are available Mm -hmm. you know funding is the biggest obstacle understandably because you know, it's it's temp temp business is is obviously a very cash thirsty mm-hmm. uh, business to be in. So it's understandable that that's the major consideration. Um, so so a lot of it is just quite an eye opener in terms of the a lot of top billers out there are just not aware of of what options are available to them. So they put it off and put it off, thinking that it's an obstacle that is too big. They need to save up for ages, or they need to look mm-hmm. at different options. Um, and you know, a lot of them are, are you know. They've, then it's everything we're talking about. They're not particularly au fait or comfortable with the back office and just see back office as a big monster. You know, like I've worked for a firm that's just took care of all of that and it looked like it was a bit of a headache and a lot of hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they might start to delve into doing a bit of their own research as people do when they're looking at these things and doing the yeah. prep and get scared off by it a little bit and think, you know, crikey, that sounds like an absolute minefield. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, the, t- today already, it's, you know, we, we take care of a massive chunk of that. And there's lots of support out there at various stages through the startup process where, you know, I, I firmly believe recruitment is, is probably one of the lowest barriers of entry in, in terms of setting up than, than there ever it. could yeah, be yeah, yeah. because because yeah, right. everything's geared up for it. So so that's a lot of it's just that uncertainty, you know, around, well, what, what would I do, you know, and, 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 and what would be associated with any new start, whether it's recruitment or, or whatever, you know, yeah, it's, it's all yeah, those yeah. sort of like, you know, it's, it What's feels like a massive leap for me. It's scary. We'll How yeah. often does the equity question come up for you? Um, a lot, actually. I mean, it's, you know, I think, I think that tends to, that's what's interesting again is that that will tend to be, probably the first port of call a lot of the time is, you know, I'm going to have to look at the, uh, uh, you know, giving away a bit of my business to get some startup capital, to get a mm-hmm. bit of a support, support in the early stages. Um, and, and and in certain circumstances, I'm sure that's a good fit, you know, yeah. it's it, absolutely, but not every circumstance, you no. know, and, um, and, and if I'm honest, I've seen startup agencies that have ended up with us that have given a slice of their agency away in the, you know, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
and are probably scratching their heads now thinking mm, was that that probably wasn't the smartest move mm-hmm. um and it's you know it, it's, it's it's never easy to kind of reverse that situation um so yeah and 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 you know speak to a lot of uh, startup recruiters that will you know have kind of explored that option spent a lot of time exploring that option have felt a bit uncomfortable with giving a bit of their a bit of their agency away for for well, quite a chunk of their agency away for I was going to say yeah it's yeah it's, more 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 and more recently it's becoming more like the the equity splits have become more and more ridiculous yeah I mean some yeah. of the people that I'm speaking to I'm sort of like what was the point in setting up yeah, just lot, to have your yeah. name above the door. A lot of yeah, these guys yeah. are just like very minority shareholders. Like they're, they're, so for for those that don't know, you you have like um, a person with significant um, control with within a um, within a business. So generally speaking, that's like twenty five percent or more is is a person with significant control. A lot of these guys who are who are setting up now are way be- below that threshold. So actually, they've got no significant control of their business as it is anyway. Really, all they've got yeah, is no some sort rights, of no real decision yeah, no decision making, yeah. no no voting rights, no. The only thing they've got is maybe directorship. And, but yeah, and that's, the, that's but the reason I ask that question is because I think again, but from sort of Rectools for for us is a great platform to be able to speak to sort of service providers like you guys and get an idea of what's going on in your world. Mm. But actually, also a lot of startup want to be startups and kind of you know, um, sort of feeling the pinch three, five year approaching agencies. I'm speaking to those guys all the time as well, right? And what I've noticed is there's a trend in the top miller decides, right, I'm going to go and start up. And the first point of call is usually an investor because they think that that's, it's always easier to spend someone else's money, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's be frank. Yeah. So then they go down that route and then they start hearing all this terminology and stuff. And then they're kind of like, oh, hang on. And they almost sometimes stumble upon invoice factoring invoice financing because the wording's used all the time now let me look at what this is and then you guys pop up as an example yeah and it's almost by um it's, it's almost by a kind of like association that they the equity conversation creeps in because in their mind it's like hang on so you're going to do all the back office stuff for me you're going to do my credit checks you're going to help me with things like terms of business and you're going to you know chase the debt for me and you're going to um, you know, finance it so I and run my temps for me and my temp book and do the timesheet stuff and do the invoicing. Mm. Of course, you're going to take an equity split because that's what the investor said they were going to do. Mm. You know, they were going to yeah. do all of that and they wanted 10, 15, 20, 40, 80, sometimes 85% of my business. So how much are you guys going to want, right? Yeah. It's it's almost by association alone that these guys are kind of like, it's, it's no through, through no fault of their own that they're like, yeah, yeah but what's the catch here then? Yeah, 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 but often they get sense. they get spun a, a bit of a web as well, though, don't they? Because sometimes it's a case of, and I remember speaking to one particular person who was like, "I'm not going to pay a fee for somebody chasing money that's already owed to me." <laughs> as, and I remember saying to that but person, then "Cast your mind back to um, like ten years ago, me sitting there and like just being completely gobsmacked at the thought of." There's an entire department in for a finance control. team. No, but the point was that this person, of course, that that thought process is going to be. No, there. no, but this person was ready to give up equity. Um, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it was like, no, no, but I'd sooner give away equity than give away my fees. And I'm like, I don't think your maths is quite adding up here because <laughs> if if you're if you're paying a small percentage of your your invoice towards towards chasing fees, that's cheaper than a credit controller. To hire a full time mm. credit controller would yeah. cost you twenty five thirty k or whatever. Yeah. This is going to cost you significantly less. If your business is billing X amount, it's probably going to be worth a lot more 
than this, this this like fee that you're having to spend. And they just weren't grasping that because again, for 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 them, what they saw was <coughs> the the shareholdings isn't cash in my pocket. But the the invoice yeah, the, the invoice financing bill, yeah if I've yeah. made ten grand margin, and I've got to give eight, and I've got to give two grand yeah. to an invoice financing and it's never as much as two grand but if, if I've got to give yeah. two grand to an invoice financing company that's my two grand that you've taken yeah whereas twenty five percent of my fictitious business yeah that hasn't yet filed any accounts so therefore the turnover is, you know, you know what I mean mm. that could be worth twenty grand but it isn't right now no you know so I suppose yeah there's that element to consider so your you as as a business then like kind of what is your marketing effort and outreach then so how, like you know how are you guys because obviously i mean there's only so much you can do on your own personal linkedin right but yeah. like how are you guys then going out and, and educating these 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 billers that you want to go and start up and kind of nurture that relationship plus also the ones that are already out there going right i'm setting up now where do i start um we we put quite a bit out via sort of like the you know the recruitment press mm-hmm. um you know, so quite a bit of sort of PR, which is sort of um, educational pieces or awareness pieces, if you like, um, that we that we put out fairly regularly. Um, to be honest, our own our own client base is quite a good source of business as well. You know, it's um, it's a fairly close knit community. I think recruitment, you know, as mm-hmm. an industry, and um, and actually our, our our own clients, who are obviously the, the best advocates we could ever have. Um, are actually quite a valuable source of new business for us as well. So, you know, they've all got strong personal networks. So yeah. they talk to people who are thinking about starting up or have started up and have been doing X, Y, Z to kind of get to this stage, but now looking at options. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit of that as well. Um, but that's always quite important in most sectors, though, isn't it? Because actually yeah. what, what a lot of people want to do is justify, like the psychology of sales, is justifying your own purchase. Yeah, if yeah exactly. <laughs> if yeah. I bought a, a brand new car that, that has got X, Y, and Z, I'm going to justify it to myself, but yeah, but I needed that car because of whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I could have bought something totally different that did the exact same job, but I've got to justify it to myself. And the best way I can justify it to myself is by getting my friends and my family on board to do the same thing. Of course. Yeah. So it's it's naturally, you, you'll find that you're, you're right. Those guys are going to be huge, huge ambassadors of, no, no, you've got to check out Paul's, go speak to Terry at Paul's because those guys really sorted me out. We did it with, um, with Mark. Mm-hmm. We kept speaking to about three R. We're like, listen, mate, you need to go to three R because they they really yeah. sort us out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, obviously, you've got your own network and your own, your own customers and, mm-hmm. and LinkedIn and stuff like that. Now, yeah. what 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 do you think your industry could do better to to kind of get the marketing message out there to to educate the the up and comers? I, I think. Um, more sort of just educational material in terms of mm. uh, and not necessarily i mean i think now people sort of digest things better when they're in sort of video format and that kind mm. of thing um when we were talking earlier on that was kind of rattling around in my, my mind already as something i think we, we should probably do next which is you know and, and just like really straightforward stuff like how does this work for a recruitment business just you know, what simple do we do? explain the videos and so yeah. it's really funny right because the that that's like kind of my bag right now i'm like ingrained in sort of social marketing and the best ways and all the rest of it and everywhere you look it's like most people's attention span is about 10 to 15 seconds yeah. because of things like tiktok and 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 like the old vine and all the rest of it we're so we want to consume like as much as possible in as much <coughs> little time as possible yeah and we're, we're we're coming up with sort of um strategies and stuff with some of our partners on rec tools and i'm kind of like I don't want a half an hour demo video sending to me. You need to give me a 10 second, 
because mm. that's how people consume information right now. We are consuming information so quickly and we are able to process it so quickly as well. And actually, if you can break down a two-minute video into sort of 10, 15-second kind of segments of an education piece, you'd be surprised how much that will get kind of noticed and picked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you've yeah, started totally. get, getting into like some sort of like TikTok wormhole or like a YouTube <laughs> yeah, shorts yeah. wormhole where like you watch the one video and it's like, oh shit, I've got to watch the follow up to that. Yeah. And then I'm about <laughs> six videos in and they're like, oh, I don't even know how I got here, but yeah. mm. this weird French film that I've seen now over the course of like yeah, yeah. 10 segments was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes us self proclaimed experts as well, right? You watch like two 10 second videos and you're like, that's it, I know everything there is yeah, to know about now. geopolitics. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. I've seen a lot of it on property stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of property gurus on, on TikTok for some reason uh, all saying a variety of different stuff and they're all in very short format video and they get so much more engagement but the longer videos seem to not do so well yeah. and I'm like there's there's a trend here and I think people less is more has mm. always been a, a, a phrase that's kind of thrown around right but I think like whereas our generation was used to watching a 15 minute explainer video yeah you know, think about now, like if, if the, the last video that you watched to get help, well, maybe you're fixing your car or something, you skip through to what yeah, you think is going to be the more important bits, yeah. don't you? Yeah. And it's almost like that seems to be where we're all conditioned to now. Yeah. So I always say to, to anyone looking at kind of moving to video format is condense as much as you can. Yeah. And you'll be surprised as to sort of, because all you need to do is give them a little snippet. Yeah. You know, just key points. Yeah. Just, yeah. Give them the, and then have them, because you want them to have the question of, well, what's that then? Mm. And then that will generate the, the inbound inquiry of, right, I saw your video, I need to know more about this. Like, yeah. I didn't people mean, want to what be do educated. you mean I haven't got to give away equity mm. in my business? Mm. You know, what do you mean you'll do th- you'll do more back office, my invoicing, my this, my this, my this? What the hell is paying bill? That sounds interesting. Tell me about that. You know, yeah. I'm sat billing 450 grand a year for this agency in London. Uh, and my, 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 you know, I really want to be in living in Bulgaria and I can do this job over there, but they're not letting me. I'm going to set up on my own. And if I can build even a third of that for myself, mm. that's money in my pocket. And you're going to be like, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> Come this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey ho. So to summarize then, you're, you're seeing a big increase in, in people wanting to start up then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think there's always been a fairly solid demand for yeah. that, and it fluctuates a bit. But I think second half of this year, in particular, definitely seen. What do you think is driving that? Um, interestingly enough, there's a we're on track this year for a record number of incorporations of recruitment, new, new recruitment businesses, the, mm-hmm. the biggest year ever. And last year was the last biggest year ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it, there's a funny trend at the moment toward, towards startup. I think a lot of that is is actually, a, you know, it feels like a long time ago now, but it wasn't. But post-COVID and mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, everyone kind of shifting to that work from home sort of model for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Now kind of being asked to come back into offices and do what I think a lot of people saw the lifestyle benefits of it and then kind of think, well, actually in recruitment, shouldn't be too difficult for me to set up on my own mm-hmm. and I can have all those lifestyle benefits I've been enjoying for the last few years forever. So maybe that's driven quite a bit of it. Um, I think a lot of it is people being sick of being employed as well though. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot, a lot like, we're finding it when we're recruiting for recruiters, it's so hard to find talented actual billers who who are willing to to move to to an agency like ours and we're sort of we're we're still a small agency and and for us to entice people who who are coming from either big corporates or or even sort of competitors they 
they're kind of already at that point where they're like, yeah, look, I just, I, I feel like I could do it for myself. Yeah, I'm probably going to set up in the next year or so. Yeah, if I make a third yeah. of whatever I was billing here, then then I'm, I'm yeah. quite happy. That's a good lifestyle for me. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people that are just... They're, I don't they're think not... job security is a thing anymore either, is it? No. Yeah, true. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah think, of, think about how many businesses... I mean, Wilco's uh, yeah. in the news right now. Yeah. I'm sure there still will be one this goes out, but you know, <coughs> yeah. a big brand like Wilco's is gone overnight. 12,000 people out of work overnight. Yeah. Where's your job security, right? Yeah. Like, you can't be like, oh yeah, no, I work for a you know fifty year old retailer with twelve thousand staff. Mm. Today you do, tomorrow it could be gone. Yeah, yeah. So well, that, yeah, that industry is, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that's two pretty big drivers there for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, and, and again, it's, it's probably you know again partly why I've sort of you know I've, I've I've gravitated with more sort of effort towards that that startup scaling part yeah. of the market because I think you just have to look at the data. It sort of tells you that. It's uh, it's going to be big. You, I do notice just again through through the work I spend on looking at this data mm. and trying to make contact with these individuals that that are setting up agencies that a lot of them will will set up with that sort of time scale in mind, like a year year or two. So you'll see companies set up now uh, this year, and it might be next year. It could even be the year yeah. beyond that they actually look to, to launch and go live. But but they'll use that for it feels like a good step to them. You know, I've got the company set up. Yeah. I'm in research phase. And that's what I mean. I think if if the education is better in that research phase, if the resources they can tap into and that's the answers it. are more easily available and digestible and they can just get it and understand what's what, yeah. is that actually that, that, that length of time will shorten. They'll start sooner because... On that though... I think the job that, feels less, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they get the answers cool. they need. Sorry. I think um, I think people that set up in that way need to be very careful as well because a lot of employment contracts will will state that intellectual property and whatever they they create during their employment with a particular business um, belongs to that business. Oh, right. We we had this issue we when, had we, clause, when we, we yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you were to so we had to set we delayed our setup by a day or two, didn't we? because we were still on garden leave and we were unsure as to kind of what, exactly what date our garden leave was finished. So we pushed it back by a couple of days because if we'd have set up, and this was advice given to us by 3R actually, is that if you set it up now, he goes, then they could hold on to that until you become a decent sized billing business and then pull it in and be like, right, okay, you actually owe that. And it's a shitty thing to do. And I don't think they would have done it, but actually... Yeah, it's people should protect themselves yeah, from just, that. Yeah, just yeah, be aware of 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 kind of yeah <coughs> those kind of clauses again, in your yeah, employment yeah, contract. Yeah. You could set up a, you could register a business or whatever, and still be employed by somebody, and then kind of be like, oh, I'll run an invoice through that. Oh, I'll do that off the, and then it starts becoming a blurry line. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned that there's uh, obviously the the number of new businesses at its highest, right? Interestingly, also the number of recruitment agencies closing down is also at its highest right now. What right. do you think that is? Because um, big billers don't always make good uh, good business people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you know, maybe that's a bit of like the cycle of life almost with these yeah. recruiters, in that you've got bigger, more established, longer established agencies hitting hard times, perhaps with fairly significant cost bases, and then all of a sudden, you know, and mm -hmm. and obviously we know that costs have been increasing left, right, and yeah, centre. Yeah. So could have been enough with with agencies that might have survived the last few years, but come out with a lot of debt. And still a fairly significant level of, of, of cost base that's increased significantly probably this year. It might have just tipped them over the edge. Mm -hmm. And then again, you could have individuals coming out of that, that job security, uh, maybe this is a chance for me to look at my own kind of, you know, plans for life and where yeah, I want to yeah, be. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so it kind of, and then it starts again. It's you know, the next, prophecy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a circle. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, and I think, and that's what's always, in, in, all, in all honesty, I've always felt it's quite interesting about the recruitment sector again, is that it's, it's quite counter-cyclical. You know, mm. it's, um, 
there's always pockets of recruitment that are, are really prospering even when times are hard yeah um and you know and obviously generally all of it prospers quite well when when times are good um but that's why it's quite a robust and it a robust industry and it's standing up a lot better than the perm market is at the moment you know mm-hmm. it, it really is which is mm-hmm. another reason why i think more recruiters perm specialist recruiters should be looking at temple contract placements because yeah. it, it is it's a massive market and it's holding up a lot lot better it's fairly stable it's fairly you know it's flat but that's versus a perm market that is that is shrinking massively it flows all the time and it's yeah it seems yeah. to be going that way in that direction yeah, yeah. Right. and i think if more recruiters understood how easy it is to set up a contract desk it's not it's not easy to run a contract desk and, no. and, and go no. out, but but to actually set up the the structure you need the bit they're scared about exactly. is actually not that scary no yeah. the the more difficult bit is actually the recruitment part yeah in, in reality yeah. Oh, yeah within within ten days they could have they could have the finance lined up so that they never have to worry about where the money's going to come from to pay temps or contractors mm-hmm. they could have you know a payroll solution set up they can have a credit control solution set up and they can be they can have a, a, a credit management function so they're not exposed to yeah. bad debt and for some of them as well there's a VAT function as well isn't there where yeah, you end up yeah. holding on to the VAT so that when it comes to the VAT bill time yeah so that's not a surprise you, you release either, it yeah. and then and then that's we paid. do that we do that because yeah. generally if you look at a recruitment business we kind of take the view that if they're running it honestly and sensibly only really Really, probably two major ways that they're going to get into in, in, into into bother, yeah. and one is trading with customers they shouldn't, clients they shouldn't be trading with, which mm. is, goes back to our previous conversation. But we cover that because we check them out and we keep checking them out, and we include protection against bad debt and stuff like that. Um, and then the other way is VAT. You know, we've seen that time and time again. It's too easy to dip into the VAT pot mm-hmm. um, and use it. And, and again. It, if margins are getting squeezed, they'll kind of absorb that a little bit by using VAT money, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're working with a partner that looks after your VAT and looks after your, your client book in terms of credit management, mm. the two biggest reasons that you're ever going to really fail as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a temp recruiter uh, are mitigated yeah, significantly. Yeah. And you guys are there to kind of hold hand. Yeah, yeah. Help them yeah. through it. Cool. So, as a twenty-year vet, then how do uh, how do in, in the industry of kind of outsourced and and kind of invoice financing, how do uh, how do people reach you? How do they get your advice? How do they talk to uh, to the Wolfman? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think most recruiters are on LinkedIn. Uh, generally, and yep. um, they're fucking better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, that's they, question they number be. one under their. Uh, you want to work with Pauls? Yeah, you want LinkedIn? No, get yeah. out. Just <laughs> you kind of expect them to be. Yeah. So that's that's you know, straight away. That's probably one of the most obvious places to come to, to find me. Yeah, um, and I post regularly, almost every day, probably. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm usually pretty easy to find. Um, or visit our website, pulseoutsource.com, um, and uh, they can fill in a form, and it will come straight through to me, and I can contact them there. There you yeah. go. Awesome. I yeah, appreciate that. Great. Thank you so much for uh, popping down today thank and you. Uh, showing your thoughts. It's been really helpful. Really enjoyed it. Thanks Perfect. very much. Cheers, Eric. Cheers. Thank you.